This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Samovar Tea. To find out more, visit samovarlife.com. And by listeners like you. To learn more and make a donation, visit insideactingpodcast.com. Welcome to episode 42 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, filmmakers, casting directors, agents, managers, anybody involved in the entertainment industry, and we put them in this little podcast and then bring it to you. And of course, as always, want to keep the dialogue as open as possible, and uh, we've been so grateful to have your uh, voicemails and emails coming into the podcast. We've got some on this particular episode as well as all of our past ones and hopefully into the future. And so you know how to get in touch with us, but we, really, we would really love for you to inject yourself into the conversation, I guess. Inject yourself. <laughs> and uh, on this episode, we have a fantastic interview, part two of a fantastic interview. Hopefully you guys enjoyed part one with casting director Marcy Leroff. I think we've gotten some feedback on the video as well. I don't know if you guys have been enjoying that, but if you haven't seen it yet, you can check it out on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash insideacting, or you can just go to our website. We've got uh, a little um, embedded uh, YouTube video of the uh, Marcy Leroff interview as well. It's very, very cool. Cool. So uh, I feel like this is a redundant question somehow because we, I've seen so much of you over the past week. But uh, what's what's been <laughs> what's been keeping you busy over the last like four days? Um, well, I think I know what you're going to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about that so that you can. So I'm going to talk about something else, okay. um, which is that I have um, I have an audition um, on Monday. Actually, probably the day that this episode goes live, I'll be I'll be auditioning. The reason that I'm bringing it up is because once again, I'm being asked to do an accent, <laughs> and this time it's uh, an English accent. It's a very specific English accent. Actually, it's an Essex accent, which a lot of people a lot of people associate with sort of a Cockney, a modern Cockney accent. I don't know if people from Essex would agree with that, but. <laughs> right. The 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 play only has five char- five characters, um, and the two leads only play their characters, and then the three the other three actors, the ensemble, uh, play like a dozen parts each. The crazy thing about it is, I've been called into this audition for the lead and one of the ensemble characters. So the material that I'm quote unquote supposed to have prepared for this audition is like 10 scenes, half of which are one character and the other half are five different characters. This makes me, the the whole idea of a work begets work comes to mind. And I, what just dawned on me was that the quality of work you do probably begets the quality of work that you get. Oh, interesting. That, that, I don't know if that was grammatically correct, but you you are you are kind of famous in our circle of friends and probably in the larger theater community for, for kind of being a little psycho for how much work you put yourself through with some of these theater productions. I mean, the war cycle you played, you did three different plays in rep with a lead role and three different plays, huge roles. And then you, you're just constantly jumping around from one thing to another, jumping into musicals with a week of rehearsal. And 
I'm not surprised that someone's like, can you prepare these 10 characters and scenes for, for one day? You know? I feel like if this is going to happen to somebody and somebody can pull it off, it's you. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm definitely uh, overwhelmed. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, what, what, where I should put my focus. And that, that's actually what I was going to say is that I emailed my manager and I was like, look, this is not me being a. I'm not complaining. This is not being being a a, a whiny actor, because uh, I had a feeling she might accuse me of that. But I said, "What is your advice?" They're having me. They gave me so much material to prepare. I mean, this is ten different scenes, and they're not like they're not like a page. They're like at least two to three pages each. Plus, one of them is like this beast of a monologue, and I think that's the one that they're most interested in. Mm. So I, I, I said, what do you, you know, what do you think I should do? And she was very nice. She emailed me back right away and she said, she's like, I'm kind of upset they even gave you two roles to work on. She's like, I'd much rather you just go in for the lead, but you're not big enough yet to say, you know, F off. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. I, only play I only play lead roles. Yes, exactly. What is the lead role? <laughs> and I shall play him. <laughs> so she said, concentrate on the lead stuff. And then, you know, go over the other stuff. But if they ask you to do it, just ask them if you can have a couple, you know, tell them, say, I prepared this stuff. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff at a busy week and I prepared this stuff for you. Do you mind if I, you know, take a step outside to work on this other stuff and then come back into the room? So we'll see what happens. I have no idea. Break a leg, dude. I'm Thank looking you, forward sir. to hearing how it goes. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll keep everybody up to date. We'll talk about it in the next the next episode probably and i know what you're gonna talk about but <laughs> i was there so <laughs> yeah we, we, we've had some exciting stuff um kind of going on here at, uh, over at the uh, inside acting studios you and i got together with a bunch of uh, kind of close friends and we talked about doing kind of something that that mark gant talked about that um mark alan Atterbury. barton talked about that mark atterbury talked about <clears throat> which is just getting some people together to start making stuff every week um yeah. give yourselves a chance give all of ourselves a chance to um work on different aspects of a project fall flat on our faces without fear of judgment you know if it sucks then okay let's get the sucky projects out of the way and then move, <laughs> get onto the good ones like the ira glass quote you know that you that you shared a few episodes ago. So um, that was really exciting to get those people in one room and, and kind of talk about how we can pool resources, what we might want to work on, um, and to kind of get a feel for everybody's strengths and specialties, and then yeah. see how we can rotate those roles from project to project so we all get a stab at holding the boom mic or producing or cooking or yeah. or ferrying camera stuff around the city. You know, like all that s stuff that goes into a production. Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, acting, writing, directing the, the, the kind of fun, big stuff. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens over the next few weeks or and months. Yeah. We've been so excited about, or I guess I should say inspired by our guests that we've had yeah. on the podcast. And I mean, obviously that's one of the reasons we bring them on the podcast is because they're doing things that are inspiring or, 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 you know, they're just doing work. They're just, you know kicking ass at whatever it is that they're you, doing you had a friend you ran into yeah recently. Yeah. yeah i was gonna say i ran into a, fr a friend of mine who i hadn't seen in a while and i asked her i said what have you been up to because <clears throat> this girl is she's gorgeous and she i think she should just be working all the time so i asked her what have you been up to and she's like oh i've been doing this this and this and i i could tell that she wasn't happy she wanted to be doing more and i said okay well is there you know is there anything else and she goes no and the 
I started talking about the podcast and it was weird because the conversation kind of transitioned into her sort of asking, not necessarily asking for my advice, but just asking like what I've been up to so that she could get maybe some ideas of what she could be doing. And, uh, I started talking about the podcast and this group that you and I are, you know, trying to, you know, get going, put together and just all the different things that I've been up to lately. And I realized that I've been so inspired by our guests, just like you have to just do stuff, just do work. Because if you call yourself an actor, then you should be doing something in the sort of artistic entertainment, you know, field, because if you're not making any money doing it, then that, then what are you doing? Like, I was like, I would, I would, I told her, I was like, I would audition for every 99 seat theater thing that you thought was any good. I would get a group of friends together and just do short films, um, you know, audition for student films, um, web series stuff, whatever you can do to kind of get yourself out there. Because if it's not going to get you a job, it's going to get you experience. And if it's not going to get you, you know, experience, you're going to learn something from it. And if you're not going to learn something from it, then maybe you're getting paid. And if you're not getting paid, then maybe you're having fun. You know what? You're going to get something out of it. All you have to do, like if you are the person in your group of friends who can motivate people, all you have to do is say that you're doing something. It's so true. So I'm, gonna t- I'm, I'm, this, I'm talking to all of our listeners right now. If you've been sort of like, I don't know what to do, like I've been kind of like not booking things and sitting around without anything to do, whatever it is, be the person who pulls the trigger. People are like, oh, that's so awesome. You're doing that thing. I want to be involved with that. And they will come and you won't be doing all the work yourself. Yeah. Which number one is usually what holds people back. Like there's the fear. There's the work. People are like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Neither do we. We have no flipping clue what we are doing. Homework for all our listeners. Go out there. Contact three of your friends this week. And tell them you want to start making stuff. Create a Facebook group. Create a Yahoo group. Create an email list of some kind. And just get the ball rolling. Yeah. And see what happens. And it start. doesn't even have to be film. You could you could get a group of friends together to start reading plays. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. I just don't want anybody to ever feel like there's not something that can, that they could be doing. Yeah. Just you know? begin, as my grandmother says. Just, just begin. begin. Just do it, <laughs> as Nike says. Uh, they cool. stole Nike stole that from your grandmother. I know. <laughs> just do it. Oh, lawsuit. It's, it's on. It's on. <laughs> So we've got a, uh, a few emails and a voicemail we want to get to, and we wanted to kind of kick it off um, with an email from uh, one listener named Corinna. I think it's Corinna. Corinna, Corinna McKay. Um, she was kind enough to write in a few weeks ago, and she shared a, a story uh, about a director. Yes. Yeah, well, it's basically, I'll try to summarize it actually because it's kind of a it's not a long email, but um, she was in a uh, production where the director, I think wanted her to uh, wear a, a particular wig and everyone inclu- herself included <laughs> the costume designer everyone else thought it looked ridiculous this yeah. wig um, she and and the director was just staunch just like no that is the wig that you're wearing you know just really adamant about it and she did, and so her question is basically like ha- first of all have we ever been in this type of situation before? How would we suggest handling it? To what extent is it an actor's responsibility to ensure the right look for the part and fit in with the play? And who decides what looks right anyway? This is a tough one. That's a really tough one. 
Yeah. Because I'm always of the mind that you just need to trust the director. That you like, you don't have uh, the perspective most of the time to see the full project the way the director does. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always of the mind that it's like, it's scary, but you get involved and the director is the person that, that kind of makes these decisions. You have to just trust that. And 99% of the time that I've been in a situation where I've been like, oh, I don't know about this, but I just decided to just trust the director, put my faith there, it worked out. But, you know, that 1% of times when it doesn't, yeah. Ooh, what do you do? You know, like you are going to wear that purple wig as Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've worked with micromanaging directors as well, but I've worked with a lot of directors who um, let the actor do their job, meaning let the actor make choices. I can't remember who it was. There was this ac- actor on Inside the Actor Studio. Maybe one of our listeners knows who this was that said this. But uh, they were doing a, a, a film with, I think, Mike director Mike Nichols, and they went up to him. I might be butchering this story. They went up to him and they said they had a couple of choices that they could have made for the scene. And they said, you know, I could do this or I could do that. You know, and I was just wondering what, you know, your sort of vision was. And the director said, you have to make that choice. You as the actor. And then he said, I'm paying you a lot of money Hmm. to make that choice. And I thought that was really interesting because that is kind of the actor's job is to make choices about you know based on the character's background but about the character and about what that character would do and about the way that you would play something in a scene so like i said i've worked with a lot of directors that don't micromanage so it's cool because you get to make your own choices and then they kind of like lead you in a certain direction my 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 high school drama teacher used to call it the snow path method of directing snow path method of directing yes snow path method of directing because he grew up in michigan and when they built the the school that he went to there they watched where the students would walk from classroom to classroom and then when the snow and and it was when it was snowing so they just were taking the path of least resistance because it was snowing so when the snow melted away that's where they put the concrete down for the sidewalks so for those so there are obviously many many directors out there who do micromanage and many directors who don't know what the they're doing (laughs) oh man it's so tough i what what do you think she should have done in this situation See, this is a tough one because, I mean, I, I mean, in a case like this, I, I would probably pull the director aside personally and say, listen, this is how I feel about this. I don't feel comfortable. I want to try an alternative and then maybe suggest an alternative or two. And I would probably leave it at that. And if the director was like, no, we're doing it my way, then that's just kind of the way the, the cards fall for this one. Um, but if if she's a good director and she's open to that kind of thing, then see what else is available. I mean, that's that would be my approach. Because she does say in the beginning of the email that it was an amateur theater production. She only had like 12 lines. Um, I don't know how much I would want to put up with a director that, you know, didn't necessarily... I, it depends on like how many bridges you'd be burning, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. if you thought that this was a director who knew what they were doing and maybe could cast you in something later, I might make more... I might be willing to make more of a concession... I know that sounds terrible, like I'm selling out or something like that. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, at a certain point, if it if you look around and 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 you can tell that no, Alan Barton talked about this in his episode, where you know people just do stuff because they think that that's what they're supposed to do, even if they look around and realize that it's all crap. You know what I mean? That everything that's going on around them is just crap. The show's crap. They know it's crap, but they stick around because it's like, well, this is what I'm doing now. Right. You know, and it's like, how do you get involved with that? And when you do, why aren't you walking? Yeah. So 
I feel like I wish I had her to like ask more questions to find out a little bit more of the details because I would actually consider uh, walking if if the director gave her like a lot of pushback on something so minuscule. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and if it is indeed minuscule, I mean, it's hard to tell. From yeah, the email, like but, like I said, there's we don't have a lot of the yeah. details. You've got to draw a line at some point and say like, this is just not for me. You know, if this is going to be something I'm embarrassed to be in. Like you only get one life, you know, that's going to be three, four or five weeks of your life that you can't get back doing something you're embarrassed about. Right. It's like you have to, sometimes you have to make those really hard decisions and risk making some enemies. Yeah. Maybe if it's going to honor your integrity. You have to, you have to trust, but you also have to be like, okay, this doesn't seem, something doesn't seem right about this. And maybe just try and get more information, you know, assume like, you know, assume positive intent, assume that they're trying to do something that they have full awareness of the situation and then just see if you can figure out what's going on. And and if any of our listeners out there have any advice or any stories that they'd like to share along these lines, we'd love to hear them. This is one of the ones where I'm like, I'm literally stumped. We have another email from a listener uh, whose name is Fiza. She's a dancer in New York and she's gotten in touch with us a couple of times. And by the way, I just want to say, I love that we have dancers listening to inside acting a yeah. and b um that she's in new york listening to us so i think that's fantastic but she 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 sent us this heartbreaking story and it was kind of in response to matt wilder's story about the cruise ship um do you have the the email i do up? i have it pulled up right yeah, here go ahead um, and read this yeah this is a good story to kind of piggyback off of what we were just talking about and to kind of reference uh matt wilder's story which was when he uh, he was on the cruise ship, and three weeks into the gig, they said, "Sorry, you don't quite fit the brand. We're going to let you go," um, which was pretty devastating. So uh, Pfizer writes in. She says, uh, "I know a dancer who had booked a role here in New York City for the Metropolitan Opera, which, for those of you who don't know, is just freaking huge." And she says, "A day before opening night, after completing all the rehearsals, a day before opening night, the director told her that she wanted the understudy to do the role instead for all of the shows." She liked what the understudy did better because it wasn't as good and polished. The girl who originally booked the part ended up being too good of a dancer. She was devastated and never got to mention this acclaimed job on her resume since she didn't do any of the actual shows. And Fiza says, I guess just like casting agents, directors might not realize what they need or want until further down the line. And it's not always a negative factor that causes changes like this one and the one that uh, Matt went through to happen. Sometimes it's that you're too good, you know? You can be too good and not fit the brand. The the first thing that popped into my head, though, when I read this was, what what was in her contract? Because I've done equity shows before, and I mean, not as a dancer, but as an actor, and I've signed contracts, and I, you know, they have stuff in there to protect actors from this. I don't know if it's the same for dancers. They have stuff in there that's literally like, you know, you get all performances, Period. Unless something happens, like you get sick or something, and then your understudy will go on for you. Yeah. And your understudy obviously gets paid uh, just as much as you are. I've been an understudy as well um, in equity productions, um, and it's great because you get because you just kick back at all the rehearsals and study everybody else working while you get paid the same amount. But anyway, <laughs> um, I was like, what is in the contract? Is the contract just so different from an actor's contract that a director can just do this without? Any consequences whatsoever? Yeah, it, it, it does make you wonder what hole was in the the agreement, you know, somewhere that she could just completely <laughs> get rid of the actor the day before the show opens and just go with the understudy. I don't know if there's a way to avoid it, if there's anything really to say about it, except that it sucks and you just kind of kind of get back up and 
have multiple irons in the fire. I think you're never left with nothing. It's just a matter of how much you've created on your own. Yeah. What, what upsets me is why didn't the director tell her that, she, that, that, that they wanted something more, that they wanted something not as polished mm-hmm. and let the actor have the, or the actor slash dancer had the, the opportunity to try to make that happen. Yeah, it is frustrating. And that, and that kind of thing happens. A lot of times you will be overqualified for a, a gig. You know, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm talking now when about not having already booked the job, but like I've been in audition rooms as a reader or helping out plenty of times when people come in, they do a knockout job and they walk out and people go, he's too good. He's too smooth. He's too good looking. You know, he's too charming. That right. kind of thing. He's too tall. He's too, he's built too well. Like that kind of thing. It's like, there are times when it's like, you're too much. You're too good. Great. So we got a voicemail from uh, a listener named Stefan Ful- Stefan Fuller, uh, who, if you guys haven't been to Stefan's we- Stefan's, I'm sorry, I keep mispronouncing the name. If you haven't been to Stefan's website, check it out. I believe it's just stefanfuller.com. And he's got what he, what he calls a long ass bio on there. And it, it is a long ass bio, but it's got some, we, we talked about this a f- several episodes back, but he's got some pretty interesting stories about just like sticking it out and hanging in there and like doing whatever it takes. And let's go ahead and play that voicemail. Hi, my name is Stefan Fuller. I'm calling from Los Angeles. And uh, I was listening to the uh, the James Leo Ryan Part 2 podcast about, there was a small section about dropping off photos and making sure that they're specific. And in my experience, I, I mean, I think that's great. If, you know, if you have the information and you know a particular role in the show, I think that's great. But in my experience, I've done a tremendous amount of just general drop-offs where I don't know, you know, the role or anything like that. And, yeah, I mean, you know a lot of stuff's going to get thrown away, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the business. That's You kind of know that going in. But um, in my experience, you know, you're, you're spreading your brand, you're getting your name out there, and I think if you do that on a consistent basis, you know, you kind of have no choice but to, you know, get ahead in the game. And I kind of feel like if I do, you know, if I do things the way, the average actor thinks I'm going to get average results. And in this business, average results are pretty scary. Uh, and then the email cuts off. And um, I think I think it went on for a little bit, uh, Stefan, but um, something happened on our end or maybe something on the server end where the email or the voicemail um, just stopped. So that's all we've got, unfortunately, from your voicemail. But um, uh, I brought up a lot of interesting points, but I, I'm a little, I have to be honest, I'm a little confused. Yeah, as, as was I, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where he's falling on the which side of the argument. Like he's saying that you should do it, but then he says that you can't do what the average actor would do because you'll get average results. But I feel like that's I feel like the doing the headshot drop is what an average actor would do. Yeah, he he, he probably clarified that in the the second half of the voicemail that we somehow didn't get. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. My thinking again is just to be as specific as possible. You know, if you see a role for a project that you want, just, you know, really use that sniper rifle to quote, um, Bruce Smith, our episode eight guest again, use that sniper rifle to be as specific as possible and make it as easy as possible for them to take a next action based on this information that you've put in front of them, this picture and this name. 
You know, Mark Gant talked yeah. about that. If you see John the bartender in this script, put a sticky note and say, you know, I'd love to come in for John the bartender in episode such and such of this show and get it to them. That's a lot easier for them to do something with than just like random headshot dropped off by, you know, X actor. Right. Um, although I do agree with him. It's like the, what is it? The rule of seven or 13 or where it's like the more often they see your face, the more often yeah, they're going to remember you. He does talk about in the voicemail spreading your branding, which yeah. is true. Like I get that, but I don't know if headshot and resume would do that i think mark mark atterbury would say like do a postcard um unless it's a drop-off for a show like law and order la who casts you know 30 co-star roles per episode right but then you're talking about a specific show you're talking about you're being more specific as opposed to just going around town dropping stuff in random boxes all over yeah town i think that's what i'm trying i'm just i don't want actors to spend I mean, you know, it can be really expensive and we are typically not making any money. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. it's a it's a bad combination of yeah, of those things. But uh but interesting talking point, you know? I mean, it's it's good to to be out there doing that kind of thing and I think what the average actor does that gets average results is not do any of this stuff at all. To be honest, I I, I have to say That's of true. the of the 100 plus actors that I know personally, maybe two or three of them do this kind of thing. I'm I'm being completely honest. Maybe two percent of the actors I know actually follow up with postcards and things like that. So it's I think the average actor doesn't do anything. So it's good to be doing something. Right. But the more specific you can be with what you're doing, I think the more specific results you'll get. Um I think. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, thanks for calling in, Stefan. Um, I hope that there wasn't some critical, crucial information in the second part of your voicemail that we lost. So, uh, let's roll into this interview. We've got part two of Marcy Learoff's interview coming up. So, enjoy that, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Of the things that we've discussed so far from, you know, the casting process, the difference between uh, feature and television, um, you know, uh, how quickly decisions are made, things like that, uh, what have you seen change? Well, what changed recently, which which really helped a lot, is this uh, network test situation that I was talking about, how uh, once we take you to test, we then negotiate your deal and let's say we have three actors that we're testing for this role. You have to go to the studio and you go into this little uh, screening room with about 20 chairs, like a theater, basically, and all the executives are sitting there. And the actor goes to the front of the room and I sit in the front chair and I read opposite them and we do it live. And they kind of file in one by one and they have to sit out in the, in the waiting room and wait. And then we either release them or we call some of them back. It is nerve wracking. Uh, I don't know an actor that can survive it. It's, it. I've seen many people just be reduced into a puddle on the floor. It's a really awful system, the testing system. Uh, what we did this last season, which changed it up immensely, uh, is we videotaped their test so that we were in much more control of, over it. So we would have like a work session with the actor. They'd come in with the producers and, and the writer and myself, and we would, we would do their test, but we'd do it on videotape. And we could do it as many times as we want until we got, got it right and we got the takes that we wanted to show. And then when we go in for the network test, we show the DVD. Hmm. So when you think about it, uh, 
we're we're showing apples to apples you know like to do to be doing a live performance when you're ultimately the medium is going to be on film it doesn't make any sense yeah so we're actually you know looking at them on on videotape and then if they say oh he's really good but i wish he just was a little you know smaller you know he seems very big and then i can take out my other dvd because i saved that other take and go here look at this <laughs> oh, that's great so um it it really like we feel as the producers and in casting we can control it a lot a lot better and then we're not having these seasoned actors coming in there falling apart and you know blowing it in the test <laughs> so then if, if we like you at the studio level then we take that same dvd to the network and we look at those dvds again so that's changed the whole playing field to me. Hmm. I like that a lot. Hmm. That's great. And then uh, what, what else has changed is when I first started back in the day, we didn't, video cameras weren't even in existence. So when we did auditions, we would do them live. You know, it would just be me and the director in the room, maybe a producer. And if we liked someone and wanted to hire them, we'd go and talk about them to the studio. And if it was a really you know, like a big budget movie, a big deal, we would do filmed, full-on filmed screen tests. Like when we did, you know, Raiders and Blade Runner and St. Elmo's Fire, those were all like filmed screen tests. Hmm. So then now with the advent of technology and everyone has a video camera, all auditions are videotaped and everyone and their dog looks at them. Everyone gets a say. So when when we, uh, you know, it used to be just, that you know the people directly involved with the project would look at the auditions now because they're uploaded onto uh, my website all the uh, filmmakers have a password to it they'll sit there at night or on the weekends and they'll watch the auditions with their kids or with their wife and then they'll come in on Monday and say oh my daughter didn't like the way his lip curled in that scene (laughs) so everyone you laugh oh my gosh. you laugh but like wow. i go and do all this work and like find great actors and then people that do not have the context because they haven't read the script looking at things out of context and they just you know they don't know what they're looking at and right and they get to weigh in you have to just be you mm-hmm. you have to be the purest version of you and either you're right for it or you're wrong for it you're, you have no control over that but sooner or later you're gonna if you're good you're gonna be right for it and so I guess the lesson here is just to be true to who you are, know who you are, and let that come out. Hmm. Stand, uh, you know, aside from yourself, you know, don't stand in your way and just let all of that come out. Well, that's, that's, it just goes back to what we've talked about a lot in the podcast recently and, and what we've been hearing yeah. is just good acting, again, is autobiography. It's just being the, the most authentic, genuine you that mm-hmm. you can be moment to moment. Many times I see actors making the mistake of reading the breakdown or reading the description in the screenplay and then trying to fit themselves into that little box of mm. trying to be that guy. But I want to see your version of that guy. You know, don't try and fit yourself your little round peg into the square. Be the round peg. That's mm-hmm. what I want to see. I mean, I want to see it's, it's the guy that comes in and just does it the most the most uh, unique and fresh version of of what we think we're looking for. That's the guy that's going to get the role. Yeah, that's funny. You know, what? that's one thing I've, I've been learning in my careers is do not... 
adhere so much to the character description as to the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, you know, take the circumstances seriously. But if the, if the character description is something <clears throat> way off from me, but my headshot and my reel were reviewed and picked for mm-hmm. whatever reason, then I'm just going to come in and just do my interpretation of it exactly. and honor the circumstances. But it's like, maybe I don't fit that peg, but here's, here's my version. Yes. All right. Well, we are running out of time and we have... Our two questions. Do you have, have anything burning else? Burning questions. What are we you ha- yeah, burning we have, questions? We have two two questions we'd like to wrap this up with. But before we do that, <laughs> I want to piggyback off the, one of the first questions that we asked, which was, um, "What are what is one thing you see actors do that you wish they would change? What is one thing that actors do that you love that you wish they would do more of?" I really love it when actors come in and I can see how they're thinking about the character by the questions that they ask. You know, if they ask. You know, it's very fast. Sometimes the the sessions are very fast. There isn't even time for a discussion. But in films, you can usually kind of talk before the the, uh, audition. And when an actor asks intelligent questions, and then those questions and the answer that the director gives informs the audition... It just it's really great to see them make the the change with that new bit of information like it unlocked something for them and mm. like ah okay now I know how to play the scene because you just gave me this this bit of information that I that I needed um, so you can tell how they're thinking um, or you know if they 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 wear the the right clothes that gives me an indication that I can see how they're thinking about this character Um so I, I, I just, I love it when, when an actor really prepares. Be prepared. <laughs> so on to our final two questions. These are two questions we like to ask every, every guest that we have on the podcast because it's so fascinating to see not only the range of answers, but also how similar they sometimes can be. Oh, is this like the James Lip- Lipton? Exactly. Yes. Oh. You got it right oh, in the cool. head. What is it? Yes. What's your favorite sound? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what, um, this is, this one's a little ethereal maybe, but um, do you feel that this career chose you or do you feel that you chose this career i think it that's a really good question by the way uh i think it was this amazing kismet of of a confluence of events that brought us both together like i said i didn't grow up wanting to be a casting director i didn't even know what one was but once i i found out what this is it was kind of like this perfect match because I I'm I'm really I feel like I'm really good at it like I'm really good at putting people together and um, I always say that that casting is like putting together the perfect dinner party hmm. you have to have the right people at the table you have to make sure you have the right people sitting next to each other and I throw really good dinner parties <laughs> so this, this was just kind of like the perfect um, extension of that I. I really feel as a casting director, what we do is is very overlooked, and I feel like we are filmmakers, and our contributions to the filmmaking process is very important. And uh, I I feel like we found each other. It's like <laughs> a happy marriage. <laughs> cool. That's great, great answer. And our uh, our final question: If you had, with you know, with your uh, many years of experience being in the in the industry, um, seeing it from a couple of different angles, working with some, as Trevor said, some pretty heavy hitters. If you could take all of those experiences and kind of boil them down to one nugget, one piece of advice um, that you think would help 
you know, help someone either, you know, just starting out or to kind of re-inspire them, um, what would that one, one nugget be? I think, you know, even for myself, cause I've been doing this for a long time and I get really burnt out and I have to kind of go and rediscover why I do this. And I'll see a, a film that reminds me, oh, God, yes, okay, this is why I'm in this business, because this really inspires me. I think um, for, for people that are just starting out and for people that are on the other end that maybe need a little bit of inspiration, like you're saying, to, to keep going, is you need to remind yourself why you do this. You need to maybe go and find it again. It's just too hard of a, of a, of a career to go after unless you absolutely love it. And so when you're just starting out, I, I, you know, you really need to ask yourself, why are you doing this? What are your intentions? Is it because you think it's cool and I really like playing different people? Or is it because I can't think of doing anything else? I have to do this. And, and so I think, you know, many times we get in this place where we're waiting to be asked to the party and we're waiting to act uh, nowadays with the, with the technology and, and people self-producing, you can go out and write something and shoot it and actually go do it. You don't have to be, you don't have to wait to be asked to the party. Actors have to act. How often do you actually get to act in the space of a week? Not as much as you'd probably like to. So you've got to get up there and, and do it and remind yourself what it is that you love about it. That's great. great. So Marcy, um, if people want to find out more about you, um, aside from your uh, IMDb profile I'm page. I'm an Aquarian. Now, <laughs> apparently I really am. <laughs> yeah. um, pardon me? Um, but, where, where, where can they go? Can um, they, yeah. I actually have a website. Um, it's marcyleroff.com. Mm-hmm. And I also have a, um, a fan page or whatever the hell you call it, a like page or whatever, whatever they're called, <laughs> on Facebook. And um, you can just, you know, find me on there not my personal page but the fan page i tweet i'm i'm like so in the in the zone here of, of social media <laughs> very web 2.0 um yeah. it's uh my twitter name is marcy Leroff. very original um i've been asked to speak at the 140 conference uh on in twitter on twitter in new york in wow. june I know. Wow. I'm, isn't that amazing? I started tweeting a year ago, and uh, a friend of mine introduced me um, through email to Jeff Pulver, who runs it, and he asked me to come and speak in June. Wow. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's very cool. I want to come. What, what, when in June? <laughs> it's, it's, it's somewhere in June in New York. Um, and I also um, produced a DVD last year. Uh, called Marcy Leroff's Audition Boot Camp that you can also get on my website that uh, really talks about all the stuff that we're talking about here, um, but really kind of more specifics about auditioning and some of the, the, the tools that you can actually master to help you do better auditions. That's great. Tools, oh. not rules. Yeah, tools, <laughs> not rules. There you go. <laughs> That'll That's be a, a new tagline. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, thank you so much, Marcy. We You're had so a really welcome. great time. And thank you for inviting us. Thanks for coming, you guys. And, this was and, fun. And we had a great time. And I'm sure our listeners are going to definitely benefit from, from your interview. So we really good. appreciate it. Thank My you. Pleasure. Okay, welcome back, guys. Hope you enjoyed part two of Marty's interview. A lot of really good stuff in there, uh, especially about, you know, 
well, we had this in the video, but you know, repairing your reputation if uh, maybe things didn't work out the first time around, um, if you made a bad impression, and you know, like staying in their head and, and doing yeah. it. like it's just it's just great to hear this these certain things be reinforced and kind of rise to the top interview after interview after mm-hmm. interview. I feel like we're learning a lot about yeah. about some of the commonalities in a in a industry where success has no set path. I like when she talked about then um, this may have been in part one where she talked about word of mouth mm-hmm. and how you know when you get to a certain level they do kind of talk about you yeah. <laughs> like agents to casting directors to producers to network people like you know you you sort of create this reputation for yourself. And I don't know. There's something about that that you know how everybody says like, "Oh, LA is all about networking, and it's all on who you know and stuff." And that's true to an extent, but make sure that what those people do know about you is is positive. Yeah, I think you have to. You really have to tend to your reputation, as we've you know we kind of talked about all through this episode. But I think so much of that reputation tending is done offline. I think a lot of actors spend a lot of time managing their brand on their Twitter account, on their Facebook profile, making sure their IMDb is up to date. And that's all important. But when you walk into the room, none of that matters. Yes. If you haven't done the work. Yes. You Thank know? you so nobody, much nobody for saying that. Nobody cares how many Twitter followers you have if you go in there and you blow an audition time after time after time. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, you so know? much for saying that. I love that. I, wa- <laughs> I wish I want to put like giant exclamation points after that. So, picks of the week. Picks of the week. Uh, right off the bat, well, I, I want to remind everybody that um, hopefully by the time this goes live, you may have about 24 hours left to check out uh, Celia Aurora de Blas's. I always am butchering her name, but um, check out her film, Incredible Girl. You can go on Indiegogo.com, search for Incredible Girl, check out IncredibleGirlTheFilm.com, or go to our website and find the link right there. Um, she's crowdfunding her, uh, her project. Check it out if you think it's something worth check worth donating to, and I, I definitely do. I've kicked a few bucks to her. Um, send her some money so she can get this project made. So I wanted to mention that, but my pick of the week this week is uh, a web series by a former Inside Acting guest, <clears throat> Tony Rago, who had uh, two episodes, I think it's 17 and 20-something. Um, he had a, couple, a really great interview about creating your own work, and he went ahead and has since done it. He's got 10 episodes of a web series that he's co-written and co-created with a friend of his, uh, Kirk Dietrich, and it's called Whacked. And it's uh, the, the tagline is Abbott and Costello meets the Sopranos. And uh, <laughs> it's it's really cool. Tony is just one of those guys who just has a real knack for humor and just kind of grabbed a camera, grabbed a few people, and he really is at it every single weekend filming another episode and it's really fun to kind of see this these great little comedic nuggets in each episode and they get better and better and it's it's just creative fun original stuff and he's pursuing sponsors and he's making distribute distribution deals with other online uh, outlets and things so you can check it out online at vinnyandtony.com or hop onto youtube and do a search for whacked it's good stuff Whacked. <laughs> What's your pick of the week? Um, my pick of the week is, uh, I guess I can't. I don't know. If, I don't know what to call it. I guess it's a documentary short film. It's uh, about twenty eight minutes long, and it's called Undercity. And it is you can do a search for it on Vimeo or YouTube. Uh, I think it might be on YouTube, but Google just Google Undercity, or we'll put a link to it on our website. I, uh, I can't wait to check this out because Nelson referred to it as the Indiana Jones of. Like urban, yeah. Okay, so this guy, <laughs> I, this guy calls himself an urban historian, 
And basically what he does, is, everything he does is illegal. So it's kind of amazing that uh, he hasn't been arrested yet. But he, he basically just goes around urban areas, big metropolises like New, New York, for instance. So he's in Manhattan. And he literally will just walk around the city with a crowbar. <laughs> I know this is already suspect yeah, at yeah, all, man. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> he's uh, never been arrested. This already sounds suspect. <laughs> he walks around with a crowbar and then he'll just be like... <laughs> Like, looking around for cops. Mm-hmm. Don't see anybody. Okay. Sticks the crowbar into, like, a manhole cover, lifts <laughs> it up, and then drops down into, like, the Undercity. And that's why it's called Undercity. That's so, awesome. So, so he'll explore sewers and stuff? He and explores, just, like, like for- sewers and old, like, uh, 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 subway stations and old bridges that aren't used anymore. It's amazing. And he has this guy with a Canon 5D Mark II, like, follow him around. So the video quality is unbelievable. It's just this really awesome thing to watch. I was riveted. I was glued. To my to my computer screen for these twenty seven minutes and fifty four seconds. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> go check it out. Uh, it, it's just. <sighs> Ooh, can I do another one? That's along these lines. Yeah, it's shorter. Uh, sure. I want to do the uh, the dark side of the lens one. That we that oh we watched. Oh my god, that's awesome. So yeah. so in addition to this, there's this awesome uh, short film that's been around for a, a, a while actually, but I, I just discovered it recently um, because Chase Jarvis, who's this really famous photographer that I admire, um, <clears throat> had this on his blog. But it's called the dark side of the lens, and it's much shorter. I think it's only like four minutes long. This this yeah, video, five, yeah, something like that, five minutes long, and it is. Um, it was put together by, I can't remember his name, but this famous uh, surfing photographer. And underneath the video is this amazing, amazing monologue that just basically describes what it is that he does. Or, or it, I don't know, the video just captures somebody's passion so well. And I put this quote on my, on my Facebook page and I, I tweeted it out the other day because I thought it was so good. And I'm just going to read it real quick and we'll move on. It says, uh, he says in the video, I never want to take this for granted, so I try to keep motivation simple, real, positive. If I only scrape a living, at least it's a living worth scraping. If there's no future in it, at least it's a present worth remembering. Hmm. <laughs> so, a uh, couple of inspirational that. short films for you guys. Go check those out. Um, you know, keep help keep the dream alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that does it for episode 42. Of inside yeah. acting. Approaching, quickly approaching 50. Quickly yes. approaching 50. Looking forward to that. That'll be a cool milestone. Yeah, um, Thank you guys for listening. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us or contribute your voice to the conversation, there are a myriad ways to do it. You can check out our website, InsideActingPodcast.com, to find out all the different ways. Or you can listen to the next minute and a half of the podcast <laughs> and find out the ways. You can uh, head up that website or drop us an email at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. You can call us and leave a voicemail at 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash InsideActing. Twitter.com slash InsideActing. Or at our individual accounts, Twitter.com slash digital actor or twitter.com slash trevor algott uh you can go onto itunes and leave us a review a uh, nice five-star review would be great <laughs> people know what you like about it and likewise on actorrated.com that's right actorrated do a search for us on actorrated.com and uh last but not least 
you can donate to the podcast. Yes, which we've made so easy for you because you don't even have to go back to the website. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Then you can subscribe. Then you can uh, set up a subscription donation, and you don't have to ever have to look at our faces ever again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So you can subscribe in iTunes. You get the episodes every week. And if you like what what we're doing here, and you want to, you know, kick us a few bucks and 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 you know help support the podcast, you can do a monthly recurring donation, three dollars a month. That's nothing. I guarantee you, you spent uh, about ten times that much on Starbucks, possibly even this week. Can you even get anything at Starbucks so, for three bucks? I don't think I don't so. Think you can. I think a banana, maybe. <laughs> a banana. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm not surprised. Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine for a banana. So anyway, I mean, three dollars a month—that's the bagel donation. Five dollars a month—that's the coffee donation. Uh, Ten dollars a month is the lunch donation, and twenty dollars a month—you just buy the podcast off of us. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Yeah, or you can do a lump sum donation. You can hop over there and you know drop us fifty, hundred bucks. It's happened. It's happened. Um, so um, there's a couple ways to donate, and everything that you donate to us is tax deductible. You can write it off as an education expense on your taxes. So double, triple win for everybody so um go on over and uh, and do that it helps us a lot every penny we get goes right back into making this podcast a better podcast we don't we don't use that money for personal gain at all um so thank you to those of you who have donated thank you for donating uh those of you who are about to go donate and uh thank you for listening for episode 42 i'm trevor Algot. i'm aj meyer we'll see you next week and in the meantime be the spark